0: yeah welcome back everybody to the back to the root podcast where we discuss urban culture we challenge our generation with thought-provoking topics and we stay rooted in truth to to grow grow our our expression. expression well everybody welcome welcome back to the back to the root podcast back to the roots it's your boy brian g
1: And Ben Vasquez, what's up?
0: Boom. We're back again with another episode with you guys. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If it's your second time tuning in, welcome. If it's your 10th time tuning in, very awesome. welcome. Yeah. We like so, you. <laughs> we, we like you a lot. And so we're so happy to be here with you guys. Uh, we're at the third episode, actually, of our series of uh, interviewing people in full time ministry. So we're very excited about this guest that we have for uh, this episode. He is very near and dear to my heart. Um, he's, his name is Pastor Derek Lewandowski. He is the pastor of Grace Life Church in Avon, New York. So we are very excited. Um, he was actually my pastor for a couple of years, and I'm very thankful for this man. He actually did my pre marital counseling as well. So welcome, Pastor Derek Lewandowski. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's a real honor to be on your show. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, so uh, Pastor, give us a little
0: bit of a background of how you uh, became a full-time pastor. Well,
2: <clears throat> I was involved in Christian music for a long time, about uh, 15 years full-time, you know, over a dozen albums, traveled all over the world, been over 20 countries, Um, But during that time, just to keep it short, I, um, I had a real crisis in my life and, um, you know, and it became a crisis of my, my faith. Um, I was, I was very legalistic. Um, I think growing up in my faith, I, I put a lot on myself to maintain my salvation and to maintain my relationship with God. Um, And not that there's not responsibility that we have to, you know, to bear in our relationship with the Lord, but um, when that gets, you know, out of whack and and you put the emphasis more on you than on Christ, that can go really bad over time. And Mm -hmm. um, there was a time in my life going back to the early 2000s when I went through a time of spiritual burnout, severe depression. I struggled with anxiety disorder. I was having panic attacks almost every day for about a year. I, um, you know, I lost 40 pounds. I, I, I couldn't function in ministry. Like I had, I had to cancel a lot of my ministry engagements. Um, it became about survival. And quite honestly, I got to the point where I felt like the idea of being in full-time ministry again was almost laughable because I was so broken and, I mean, I was literally reduced to surviving, not it, it wasn't about like, oh, let me get re- restored back to my ministry position. It was more like, can I survive this and still be a functional husband and father? I felt like I was going crazy and um, wow. it was terrifying. I mean, it was absolutely terrifying. I had, I had good people around me that loved me, including my family and my church family. But um, I didn't see any end in sight. I just it was like this long, dark tunnel without any light at all. And, you know, and, and, and all the struggles you go through with that. I, of course, I wondered why God was allowing this and where, where he was. And even though I, I beg him every single day to rescue me and heal me, it just seemed like it just went on and on. And, um, all that to say it was during that time that in the middle of that, I opened my Bible. That's always a good idea, by the way, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm shortening a long story here, but I began to see that the apostles emphasized the idea of grace a lot more than I did in my life and my theology. And I mean, if you look at the writings of the apostles, especially Paul, the apostle, it was in his greetings and salutations. And then it was the theme of his letters throughout his letters. and I don't know. I mean, I I, I just did not see the, the centrality of grace in, in my Christian life up to that point. I, I think I saw grace as like the door in to the kingdom. And then you kind of, you know, you move on from that and figure out now what you have to do now that God has given you his grace. And so in that way, I saw grace as the ABCs of our faith. And then you sort of move on to the rest of it. But the Lord wanted to show me that grace is the A to Z not just the ABCs. And to mm. do that, I had to go through this incredibly intense and violent trial where I nearly lost my mind and I certainly lost everything else. I, you know, I, I felt like I lost my ministry for a season. And, and, um, but, I you know, for me, like grace, well, n- no offense against women, but, you know, I named my daughter, grace, not my son. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of saw grace as like kind of a nice, you know, effeminate word. Um mm-hmm. I just didn't see its teeth and its power and its depth. And um so I began to study the grace of God. I I just had a voracious appetite for studying grace. And I studied Romans eight and Galatians five, um, for about a year, line by line, word by word, you know, commentaries, Greek word studies, um parallel passages, whatever I could find out about this. I I just, I, I felt like I needed to find out what the apostles were talking about because it seemed to be more powerful and central in the Christian life than it had been in mine. Mm -hmm. So the, the short story is, you know, kind of like, um, I don't know, you you ever see a, a moonless night and how dark that can be. Yeah. it's weird how the sky starts to change once the sun you know even remotely appears on the horizon you know it's like the sky starts turning shades of pink and and orange and and yellow and and it's some it's almost imperceptible at first but you could see it and then all of a sudden it comes up in the full morning light and that's kind of like what it was for me what it was like for me coming out of coming out of my darkness was The grace of God just kind of turned the sky pink and then yellow and orange and then the full morning light. And um, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And I guess I just began to see, well, it's like Paul said in Galatians 3, 3, will you continue in the flesh that which you began in the spirit? And I kind of said, you know, before this experience, I probably would have said, well, yeah, I guess I will. I'll take, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'll take it from here. But now I begin to see that everything I am and everything I, I could be and would be, is by the grace of God. And if I was would ever be healed of this kind of soul fracture that I was going through in my mind and my heart, that that would be by the grace of God, I wouldn't earn it. I, I wouldn't you know achieve it through my merits or my zealous disciplines. It, it would come by faith in Christ and him working in me. And so to answer your question the long way. I had such a deep revelation of the grace of God. I just began to preach it everywhere. It it became my passion. Like all my songs, it was the central theme of all my songs. You know, the albums, I think I put two albums, three albums together after that. And they were all very much focused on, you know, the gospel of grace, where before it might have been more about like being radical or being committed or, um, I don't know, evangelism or missions. Not that those things are bad, but I almost felt like Paul did when he said, I've determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so I began to travel and preach that and sing that. And, and, and I wrote books about, it. I think I wrote two books about it. And, and um, it, you know, it began to hit, like it, it really began to encourage people. But it, I was very nomadic, you know, like I drop in and I share it at a conference or a church and I knew it would have an impact. But then, I couldn't build on it. And and you'd often see people falling back away from grace into discouragement or condemnation or legalism. And so I just began to think, man, wouldn't it be awesome to start a church built on yeah. the foundation of grace and, and what it means to live under grace and around grace mm-hmm. and, and make that the engine of the church. And so that dream kind of started as a result of that wilderness time. And in 2010, my wife and I with a small church plant team pulled the trigger and we we started a church in Avon, New York.
0: That's awesome. Wow, that's so great. Yeah. No, that, that that's really like that's power in it because like if we see how a lot of people, especially where when they're in full-time ministry and they go through what you go through, a lot of people just give up and they don't keep pushing forward. But you found one of the most powerful things in the Bible when it says about the true grace of Christ is that we don't realize just how much His grace overflows to us and how much it, it really impacts us in the way. And you and you realize that, and that you, you literally, I, I know this from knowing you for so many years, but you live out the grace of God, like <laughs> fully. And so, and, and you're imparting it to other people people, to younger people, especially to people who are just coming up in the ministry where they're, they're going and going and going, and sometimes they hit a brick wall, and they're just like, well, what can I do from here? It's just like, no, no, remember, God's grace is sufficient. God is sovereign.
2: Yeah, it's all we've got, bro. It, it's all we've got. When, at the end of the day, you know, we might think we have something else, but we all find out in our walk with the Lord, because he loves us, we find out that his grace and his grace alone is enough. and And, and not only you know it's not just enough to save us it's enough to sanctify us and also empower us like my whole definition of grace has changed where i maybe i would have used i used to say grace is unmerited favor and it is you know it's like it's the thing that that gives you salvation not based on your record or your performance but based on your faith in Christ's record and Christ's performance that's unmerited favor and that's beautiful but Grace is also unmerited power. It's unmerited power to Mm. persevere in your circumstances. It's unmerited power to do works of ministry. I mean, listen to the way Paul talked about his ministry, you know, when he talked about his apostleship, you know, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he said, God has given unto me a grace to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, that's a whole another view and level of grace. If you understand what he's talking about he's not talking about his salvation. He's talking about the very power source to do works of ministry and to do what he was called to do. So it was everything to Paul and it really needs to be everything to us. And when it is, it's actually not It's not restricting. It's actually, it's liberating because you realize, wow, man, the onus for this thing is on Jesus and and it's God who is at work in us to willing to do of his pleasure. And I, I just get to be along for the ride. and And if it gets bad, you know, if if I have a hard day or if I have hard trials, God's sovereign over that. His grace is sufficient in that, and I I, I really don't need to fear anything.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah, that's good. Amen. Uh, so, uh Pastor, let me ask you this: So, what? How would you obviously? Um, how how long have you been pastoring for? How many years? Ten years. Ten years. And so in your whole time of pastoring, obviously, the whole concept of grace is amazing. But have you ever dealt with the situation where someone has come to you and continually basically uh, has taken advantage of the grace of God? It's just like, well, God's grace is over me. I continue to continue to do what I want. In those type of situations, how have you handled someone who has, in, in a sense, like basically continually just doing what they want and, and telling people, oh, no, it's the grace of by the grace of God. I'm good. So I can continue to do what I want.
2: Yeah, I think that's a common criticism of of, you know, preaching grace and, and caution sure. and warning that you hear is, well, be careful. You don't want to turn grace into a license to sin. And I get that. And I have a few responses to that. Number one, um, you can't preach grace uh, and not expect the counterfeit nearby. You know? mm. So, I mean, that's the reality. I mean, I think that's true of any. Any ministry that emphasizes a certain doctrine um, in a healthy way, just nearby, you're going to see the counterfeit version of it, um, because people people are in the flesh, and there are there are tares among the wheat, and and uh, Satan, you know, is is at work trying to destroy God's work. So I, I'm aware of that, and um, and that doesn't surprise me. Nor do I let the wrong thing negate the right thing. I don't look at people like that and go. Oh well I better I better make sure I'm I'm preaching some law here to balance the <laughs> grace these guys yeah. are using it. I mean, if you look at the way scripture teaches the grace of God, you know, I, I just I, I do a podcast too with um with Caleb Berg, you know, my right hand guy at Grace Life and mm-hmm. we just did a podcast called Can You Have Too Much Grace? And our mm. answer was not if it's really grace. Wow. You know, mm. Titus two, ten and eleven says this. For the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and to live self-controlled godly lives in the present age. So that means that the grace of God, when taught properly, doesn't need to be balanced. It is the balance. And it actually has built into it by the Holy Spirit, a a motivation toward good works and holiness. So in Mm -hmm. other words, somebody who's really heard the gospel and has really heard the grace of God cannot enjoy sin they cannot turn it into a license to sin because the holy spirit within them won't allow that that god produces god the spirit produces the spirit so he won't produce something outside of himself so you know for me it's like grace what what grace does and here's one of the ways it's so powerful is you know i'll say it this way the gospel is not opposed to works The gospel is opposed to earning. Mm. And so what grace does is it says, I'm not concerned about whether or not you're obeying because the Pharisees were also quote unquote obeying, but were damned. My greatest concern for you is the reasons for which you're obeying. The Pharisees were obeying out of self-righteousness, trying to earn their righteousness and earn their salvation and earn points before God. And in, in doing so, they became boastful and arrogant and looked down at other people. Grace says, yeah, we should do good works, but those good works should not be motivated by self-righteousness, and how can they be? If Jesus outed you and me and went to the cross and proved that you and I were so bad that the son of God himself needed to come and die for us, how can we possibly be self-righteous and prideful? And at the same time, how can we be fearful? If so great a love was shown toward us when we were undeserving, how could I ever be fearful about my salvation? So what am I mm. what I'm saying is grace eliminates the the religious Uh, the dead religious motivation of self-righteousness and it eliminates the motivation of fear. And some people would criticize, you know, the grace teacher and say, well, what motive is going to remain for doing good works if if you take the threat of this, you know, the threat of disobedience out of it? And the answer of grace is the motivation that remains is love. And love Mm. is the most powerful motivation of all, because love actually goes beyond the requirement. Look at how a, a man who's in love treats his his girlfriend or his, his lover, his wife. He goes beyond the law, right? So yeah. love actually goes beyond the law. That's what Christ's love did for us. It went beyond the requirement. It went beyond the law. So my answer to that young man is, you don't understand grace if you think that you can turn it into a license to sin, because grace wow. actually is the source of the most powerful motivations for obeying God and that is love, gratitude and worship.
1: Mm.
0: Wow. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh, wow. Woo. man. See, see see that right there is um
1: we have in church, man. <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: it, I love it, Sunday. man. This stuff this stuff lights my fire every day. One of my favorite preachers is uh Sinclair Ferguson, an old uh an old Scotsman. It sounds like when you listen to a preach, it sounds like you're listening to your grandfather in the back porch. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but one of the things he said, and he's an old man, he said, I continually, I'm continually surprised by the gospel. And guys, mm. I am too, man. I, the more I look at it, the more I study it, it just doesn't get old. And, and it keeps exciting me every day and, and motivating. me.
0: Mm. That's so good, and, and the thing is, guys, for everyone listening, you want someone, and I'm not trying to um, hype up Pastor Derek, which I always do every single t- chance I get. Um, but the the, the <laughs> thing about it is, whenever someone speaks, especially in full time ministry, you always want someone who quotes the gospel. If this is the if the gospel is what we um go by, which is the word of God. We want someone who is speaking from the gospel. We want someone who's speaking from the word of God and able to point everything back to Jesus. And so exactly. as and so for that we just guys, that's so important. Whether you have someone accountable in your life, a pastor, a leader, always know <laughs> if they bring everything back to the gospel. Um because the, the, the gospel that's where we find the grace. That's where we find the life. That's where we find the love. Um but that's really good, Pastor. Is there um you being in full-time ministry now, um, is there anything encouraging you can say to someone who's thinking about going into full-time ministry or anything mm-hmm. you feel the Lord is putting on your heart to really impart uh, to the next generation of people just like, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go out, but they don't understand what that really means.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I would say two things. Um, number one, make sure that ministry is not an idol. And, and you know, yeah, that's good. just being honest, guys, I, I don't think I think anybody who tells you that they're not tempted by that I just don't think they're being honest with themselves. I think all of us are tempted no matter what our ministry sphere is. We're all tempted by the praises of man, by, you know, notoriety and reputation. I mean, Jesus was for goodness sake. If, if Satan tempted Jesus with the kingdoms of this world, that must mean it was actually tempting. So, you know, just wow. we have to be yeah. careful not to make ministry an idol and and I, when I say that all I'm talking about is um, Over desiring that, and and that is the biblical word. There's that that verse in First uh, John where he says, "The things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life." Um, unfortunately, by translating that word, that Greek word "lust," only makes us think of sexual lust in English. But the the Greek word there is epithumia. And it literally means over-desire. So that tells us what the nature of idols is. It's just, it's having too much of a desire, sometimes for a good thing. You know, like, Mm. if you, like, food is good. We all need food. Amen. If (laughs) if food is your idol, you don't stop eating food. You just have to recalibrate its importance in your life if you're you're a glutton. But over-desire for food is gluttony. Over-desire for money is greed. Over desire for sex is, you know, adultery, um, all forms of sexual perversion, um, pornography, all that. So those things aren't bad in themselves, but when you when you over desire them, they become idols. And when they become idols, they become the integrating part of your personality. And one of the things I've learned is that anger protects idols. So one of the Mm. ways to identify what your idol is is what makes you angry. Like if somebody you know if if your' if your ministry is an idol and somebody criticizes your ministry, oh my goodness, look out wow, and you know, but a dead man can't get offended, right so
0: that's if, so good, wow, if, if
2: my idol is not my ministry and somebody criticizes my teaching or my church or my ministry, like I'm not saying it won't hurt, but it it won't be ultimate, you know just it won't it won't take my feet out from from under me, so I would counsel young men you know and and women who are getting involved in ministry, just be careful to watch your heart and ask God to help you to keep that repented down mm-hmm. because that thing will come up and, and it'll hurt you. And I mean, even me, man, we had a season in, in our church plant where it got really hard for a while. And, um, and it was, it was God again, just exposing my idols. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing I'd say is make this resolution because it's a good one. When we started Grace Life Church, we said, we are not going to build this church on you know, high production and you know, branding and you know, human wisdom and slick marketing and the gospel will build this church or we must fail. Mm. And that's been our, our resolution from day one. And it's been so liberating because it's kept us from feeling like we have to perform or outdo ourselves. Not that we don't try to do well and you know we sure. have we have a video screen and we have a we have nice lights and stuff, but but we don't like we're not trying to outdo ourselves and and outdo, you know, keep up with the, the Joneses, so to speak. And <laughs>
1: sure.
2: I, you know, there's a, there's just such a trap there. So yeah, it's liberating just to say, you know what, we might suck at a lot, but we're not going to suck at the gospel. And then and that that's what's going to build this church or or let it die.
0: Yeah, it's
1: good. Wow, that's really good wisdom. I'm just absorbing over here. I know uh, Brian's been asking you most of the questions. I've just been kind of sitting here absorbing and listening. Um, First, I just want to say, Pastor Derek, thank you for sharing uh, just a lot of your wisdom on grace and even your personal experience. And um, we got about five minutes left in the podcast, and I just feel really compelled to ask you kind of a personal question. Yeah. Yeah. and I, I heard you kind of mention this, that you were dealing with panic attacks and just mental stuff. And so I have a yeah. family member who's very close to me that is basically confined to his bed right now and yeah. for years. And so he uh, deals with Lyme's disease and uh, he has panic attacks every single day. And mm-hmm. his fight and struggle has been real with like, you know, should I still live on this earth or not kind of level? And um, mm-hmm. so I just wanted to ask, like, what? You you mentioned, like, obviously opening up your word and and getting deeper, digging deeper into finding out what grace really meant helped you, but also, like, I guess adding to that, like, what other uh, practical things helped equip you or, like, basically helped you build a uh, become victorious and just kind of, um, you know, trust in the Lord on new levels to deliver you from, uh, you know, heal you even. I'm not sure how far you went in that journey, but, you know, like, for me, I just... I just love to know more advice on that as I'm counseling and like trying to pastor people that deal with that that kind of level of breakdown and stuff.
2: Yeah, it's painful. And, 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 you know, I, I think there's a lot of mercy there from the Lord and there should be from God's people and, you know, including medications, if that helps, I I didn't take them um, because I, I just, I had faith to take my journey without medications, but Mm -hmm. I've been very clear whenever I share my testimony that I don't have, um, I don't have any criticism or condemnation for people who do. I would just say, do what you do in accordance with your faith. And the way that I concluded that part of my life was um, I would rather feel organically terrible than synthetically good just because I actually want to know if I'm getting better. Right. And, um, you know, so I, It was a very raw, painful journey through that. Um, And I I think having just a handful of people around that um, are consistent with the person that they know they can reach out to and that are faithfully reaching out to them so they don't feel alone. You know, Mm -hmm. even if it's once, twice a week to give them a call and just let them vent and pray for them, you know, just have that, that small care team, that group of people around. But also, I think one of those people, and for me, it was my wife one of those people needs to have the permission of the suffering person to challenge them and veto any decision they make and here's why a depressed person, an anxious person will always choose the path of least resistance and they will choose the thing sometimes that makes them most comfortable even though in doing so they might be avoiding the very thing they need Right. so I needed to have somebody in my life that I said you have permission to veto my flesh. If I, if I choose to do something out of comfort, that might not be good for me. So I'll give you an example. Uh, right around that time, we got a call from a, a couple in the church, some friends, and they said, Hey, we're going to have a, you know, a couple, a, a number of couples come over. We're going to have a dinner and game night and we want to invite you to come. They knew I was struggling. yeah. And, uh, I hung up the phone and I said to my wife, well, that's something I'm not going to. Mm-mm. And she goes, "Oh yes, you are." <laughs> and I said, "Oh dang, I just gave you that that license, didn't I?" Yeah. She said, "Yep." <laughs> so I went because she told me to go, and honestly, it was good for me. And I had to I had to press through it. But I remember driving home, going, "Man, God kind of gave me grace in that." And mm. you know, I, I've come to call it the ordinary means of grace. There are very ordinary ways that God communicates grace. It's not always fantastic. It's not always this mountaintop emotional experience. Sometimes it's just gathering with God's people. Sometimes it's just praying with a brother uh, and being encouraged by him. Sometimes it's just going and having fellowship. Those are just ordinary means of grace that I think should be built into every Christian's life. So, you know, I would say to a suffering person like that, it might not be the same level as somebody that is healthy. But you really need to build in the ordinary means of grace in your life, gathering with God's people, fellowship and encouragement and prayer. So whatever that looks like for the person, even if it's a smaller dose of it, that is really important for them to to have that. And, And in some ways, too, I think just identify what is the will of God for this person, even if it's simple. Like for me, honestly, when I was at my worst, I would every day I would write down the things that I wanted to get done that day in a way that I believe those to be the will of God for me. And I would trust him to give me the strength to do it. And sometimes you'd laugh. It was just mundane, silly, simple things, but God is in the mundane. And I think if you look at John 15, he says, abide in me Mm. many times. And so the idea of abiding is I'm going to, I'm going to actively do the will of God for my life while I'm depending upon the Lord for his strength to do it. And you know, for a, for a, a mother with young children who's stuck at, you know, stuck in the house alone, that can just be changing the diapers and getting up and feeding the baby. I mean, it can be literal, literally simple, mundane things like that, but there's grace in it. Yeah. You know, for a suffering person who wants to be shut in and maybe they're more comfortable with that, maybe they need to be challenged and say, no, you know what, you're going to attend this small group once a week, or mm-hmm. I'm going to take you out once a week and just start building some simple, even small, mundane things in their life that require trust and faith so that they can grow and maybe even grow back into a healthy life.
1: Wow. uh, That's good. Thanks so much. I feel like you just encouraged me a lot too, personally, because I feel like I've been really, like the Lord's been telling me stuff. Like, I think you just put it into real good, like, precise, like understanding for me as I'm trying to walk through this journey with this person. Yeah. and So I really appreciate that a lot. Like, yeah.
2: Amen. That's cool. Well, That's May the Lord give you wisdom and grace, brother. Thank you know, you. He's, he's got you in his life for a reason.
0: Yeah. Thank Amen. Amen. Well, cool. this has been good. I
1: don't want to
2: stop, man. I'm like, yo, that's just,
0: <laughs> it's, it's so good, man. But,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Thanks, guys. Yeah, Thanks no, it's been good.
0: Pastor Derek, so uh, really quick before we end, um, do you want to, because uh, obviously you said in the beginning that you have your own podcast yeah, that you yeah, do, so so if you want to plug in the name of your podcast and where people can actually go and listen to it.
2: Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, our podcast is called Grace Walk Radio. Okay. It's on, you know, all platforms, awesome. and um, you can follow us on, um, on Twitter at Grace Walk Radio or on Facebook at Grace Walk Radio, and you can follow me at Derek Levandusky on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Great. We'll throw all that stuff in the description in this podcast as well.
2: Great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's
0: it's awesome, guys. So again, you hear from Pastor Derek Lewandowski. Please go get, check out his stuff. It's th- th- this is how he talks, guys. It's not just on this episode. This is how he talks every single day, and it's amazing. I love him so much, Pastor Derek. Thank you again, and and, and as always, guys, stay rooted and
1: keep growing. Boom. See you later. We out. God bless.